Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. Yes, indeed, on Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Wow, let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for this rare privilege that we have to come before your throne of grace this morning. We thank you, eternal rock of ages, for this month of November that you brought us to. Lord, this is indeed your doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. We are so grateful to you and we are thankful. And we adore you because you make it a glorious month for us in Jesus' name. And Lord, we'll be encouraged. We'll draw encouragement from you in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, as we share from your word this morning, I just pray, Lord, that you would minister to us. I pray, Lord, that, Father, you teach us from your word. And I pray, Father, that your word will indeed penetrate our hearts and work transformation in our lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, our theme for this month is be encouraged. Be encouraged. Um, and by the grace of God on Wednesday, I took time to lay the foundation for this theme when I took the Bible study. If you were not part of that Bible study, perhaps you can listen to that message either on our YouTube channel or the podcast um, channel. And that way you would be able to follow. This morning I'm going to build on some of the things that I said on Wednesday. And the topic this morning is encouraging yourself. Amen? Amen. Encouraging yourself encouraging yourself and i want us to quickly i'll read from two passages of scripture i'll first read from second corinthians chapter one and i'll read from verses three to eleven and then i'll move to psalm 42 and i'll read from verses five to eight first is um second corinthians chapter 1 and i'll read verses 3 to 11 it says praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of compassion and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves Receive from God. Verse 5. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, if, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort 
which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Praise the Lord. Let me then quickly cross over to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. And I'll read from verses 5 through to 8. And I'm still reading from the New International Version. He says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, in our, in our environment, when you see someone talking to himself, what comes to your mind first? Eh? You, you, you begin to wonder. He, he don't, he's gone what? And I'm sure because of that, even when people want to talk to themselves, they would rather do it very quietly for fear that people may just stigmatize them or misunderstand what they're doing. Because in our environment, when you talk to yourself, People think 
that um, is a sign or a form of derailment. But you see, as we look at Psalm 42, we see the psalmist here talking to himself. He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself about his depressed soul. And when you listen to what he's saying, you will know that he's not, he's not, he's not derailed. The, the psalmist is sound. He's talking to himself. And, and, and perhaps we need to begin to revisit this idea of maybe talking to ourselves again. Do we take time to sit back and maybe talk to ourselves as we re-examine things? And that's why as we go through this, I would we'll talk about engaging yourself. Engaging yourself. Then engrossing yourself in God. And then finally, I would end with encouraging yourself. Engaging yourself. We see the psalmist model here. This psalm may have, is, may have been written by one of the sons of Korah. And in this psalm, he begins by talking to himself. Even before engaging God. It's like... <laughs> Look, Peter, come, let's, 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 let's get some things straight. And then he starts by asking himself some questions. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why? Why are you downcast, O my soul? It would have been interesting to see the answer that came from himself too. But, but again, you see, perhaps he may not even have an answer for himself. Some of the things that we worry about, when we sit down and do very careful introspection, you discover that we probably may not have any strong basis. But you see, he doesn't take it away. We may still feel low. We may still feel depressed. We may be in deep suffering. No doubt about that. Things around us may be really bad and tough. I am not downplaying the reality. But all I'm saying is that like the psalmist here, he started out by engaging himself. Started out by asking himself, even before talking to God, about his depressed soul. He talked about his depressed soul. Talked to himself. And then he went further. After asking himself, he then started talking to himself about God. He started telling himself about who? About God. He started talking to himself about God. Just like we said on Wednesday. You know, you need to remind yourself of what God is to you. 
Because that's where to start from. So he starts by talking to himself, engaging himself. He says, look, why, why so disturbed within me? And then he goes on to say, look, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him. My Savior and my God. The psalmist was talking to himself. But he was not losing his mind. His words sound like someone in touch with reality. He was engaging himself. He was engaging himself. Even before going to God with his state, he starts by engaging himself. And I just want to encourage us to also start by engaging ourselves. Because you know, sometimes we can just get carried away by the problem, by the suffering, by the issue. You point at others, you look at others, you, you start with yourself. Perhaps that is where to start from. And that is the model of the psalmist. He started by engaging himself. And then you look at Paul in 2 Corinthians and you see it. Paul too in engaging himself in the midst of his trouble. You know, it helped him to realize that, look, he got to his wit's end to appreciate how helpless he was. And as he was recounting it to the church in Corinth, he told them how severe their state was. He shared with them. And it was out of his own difficult experience that Paul tells us how we can find encouragement in God. And then he gives us three simple reminders that we shared on Wednesday where he talked about you need to remember what God is to you. You need to remember what God does for you. And you need to remember what God can do through you. So that as you walk through this difficult situation, as you transit and draw encouragement, these three reminders are very helpful. And it's interesting to see that the son of Korah starts from there by engaging himself and telling himself about God. And I want to encourage us to cultivate the act of engaging ourselves. Engage yourself. Because there are benefits. When you engage yourself, it helps you to appreciate and acknowledge your limitation. Like Paul, he knew that, look, with that challenge, he had gotten to the end of his wits. And only by turning to God, only God could deliver him. And he acknowledged the fact that the Lord indeed delivered him. So when we engage ourselves, it helps us to recognize our need for God. It helps us 
to focus our attention on God. It also helps us to draw encouragement from God. And finally, it helps us to reaffirm our decision to put our trust in God. It helps us to reaffirm our decision to put our trust in God. Because you know, sometimes it's important to reaffirm it. Otherwise, you begin to even doubt. When you are faced with challenging situations, you begin to wonder. So it's very helpful to reaffirm. So as you engage with yourself, you reaffirm your decision to trust God. And we see it in the model adopted by the psalmist, and we see it in Paul's example. Paul stands by praising God, praising the Lord of comfort, praising the Father of mercy. So we need to reaffirm. I remember the story that um, Johnny Yoda, one of the writers in our daily bread, said, you know, there was this convert who had given his life to Christ and they've taken some time to disciple him. And then they then encouraged him that he should go and testify of his faith. And, um, you know, to tell how Jesus has made a difference in his life. He eventually agreed to go. He accepted the suggestion. So he went. Now, when he got back, his counselor was surprised by what he said on his return. He came back and said, look, I, yes, I have. I've gone to tell them. But you know what? I even testified to myself. You know, in the process of testifying to others, he was also doing what? Testifying to himself. He was reassuring himself too. That look, I have taken the right decision. You know, when we're studying marketing and we're studying advertising, one of the things they used to tell us, typically you think that when a company is advertising either its product or service, you think that they're advertising in order to get new buyers or new customers. Yes. One of the key reasons. But one of the reasons again is you are sending a message to your existing customers to say that, look, they have taken the right decision by choosing your product. Are you with me? So you are also using that advertisement to reaffirm your existing customers so that when they see the advert, you say, yes, oh, I'm already a user of this product. I took the right decision. So when you engage yourself, it gets you to that point of reaffirming your choice to trust the Lord, even in your situation. So engaging yourself helps you to reaffirm your decision to put your trust in God. You know, talking about customers reaffirming just reminds me of the experience I just had. 
in July, I I have been using a particular uh, Mac book, Mac book Pro. So, but I had a problem with the speakers. So in July, I went into an Apple shop and um, the guy attending to me came, he looked at my MacBook and then said, oh, your MacBook is looking, it's looking nice and new. So I, I felt very cool, you know. <laughs> because you see, I've been using that MacBook for seven years. And, and, and typically, I, I take pride in when I use my things for long and they are still looking nice. And I tell them, look, I've been using this thing for 10 years. They say, hey, 10 years? And say, yeah. So, and so this guy um, said, oh, your, your, your MacBook is still looking nice. I said, oh, thank you. I've had it for seven years now. Oh, okay. So, I said, then what's the problem? But I said, well, the, the, the speakers. So he said, okay, um, this, this was, um, he looked at it and said, okay, um, ah, just a few, in a few days' time, we'll not be able to support this, <laughs> this, this MacBook again. So, ah, I was, I was taken aback. You know, I was expecting that this guy would treat me specially, that, you know, I've been using their product, and I've been using it well. In fact, maybe he can even make me an example. So when he said that to me, you know, he jolted me. So I said, you will not be supporting this again? <laughs> he said, yes. I said, eh. I said, why? He said, well, you know, it's, 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 it's now vintage. <laughs> I said, Vinkini. <laughs> he said, vintage. He said, from 31st of July, I, I can't even order parts for this system again. So if I'm going to take it in, I just have a few days to quickly place orders for the parts. Ah, I, didn't, I couldn't recover on time. You know, this is my MacBook I've been using. I've been taking care of it, looking nice, new, no scratch. My daughter bought covers for me that I was... So, ah, vintage. You know what vintage is? Meaning that it's outdated. It's old-fashioned. It's outmodeled, it's antique, it's antiquated. I said, this is my MacBook. It took me a while to come to my senses that Apple is not interested in people like me who want to use one computer forever. And the guy needed to remind me that that computer has a lifespan. And you know, as I think through that encounter, 
an engagement with that guy. It just reminded me that, look, many things don't last. Even tough times never last. But tough people do. You know, the troubles that you have today and you feel so overwhelmed by them, they have a time span. They will soon become vintage. And that's why the Bible tells us that, look, your troubles are momentary. And, and, and the Bible encourages us. It says, look, to endure momentary inconvenience, discomfort, lack, or even trials, which are for a little while. A little while. A little while. They are momentary. 1 Corinthians 14, 7, St. Paul says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And 1 Peter 5, 10, you know, goes on to say, Look, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Brethren, let's hold on to this. Be encouraged. That is the word of God. That is his word from his throne of grace. It's for a little while. Soon, that situation will become Vintage. That trouble you have, that difficulty, that fee that you think you can't pay will soon become vintage because the Lord will make a way. And if you look in the past, you've had several situations. And what has happened to them? They, have be they became vintage. Became vintage. Then, let's engross. Engross yourself in God. So after engaging yourself, engross yourself in God. Put your hope in God. That's what Psalm 42 verse 5 starts with. Tells us, after saying, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He goes on to say, look, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior. For I will yet praise him. So, my soul, you are troubled. You, you feel this, you are worried. Relax, so take it easy. Because Why? My hope is in who? It's in God. And I will yet praise him. So you begin to engross yourself in his word. 
And he goes on, he says, look, I will praise him. I will praise him. And then, as you get yourself engrossed in the world, is to remind your soul, remind yourself that he is your savior and he's your God. And then as you engross, as you engrossed with him, you remind yourself of his word and promise that says you should cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And First Peter 5, 7 keeps reminding us. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. God cares for the troubles of every one of his children. And that truth is emphasized in several passages of scripture across the Old and the New Testament. All our fears, our anxieties, and concerns must be decisive, uh, must be given to God. Must be given to God. And we must draw assurance from his word in 1 Peter 5.10 that says, And the God of all grace, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, make you firm, and make you steadfast. That will be our portion in Jesus' name. No matter the situation that we face. And then finally, it's encouraging yourself. Encouraging yourself. The Samish model is what I call the spiritual antidepressant. So when you look at Psalm 42, so anytime you feel low, you feel depressed. It says this is spiritual antidepressant. So you go there and you do what? You take some of it in. And it says, question your soul. Testify about God's goodness. Admonish yourself to hope in the Lord. Then minister to yourself as the psalmist did by personally applying the very encouragement you have given to others. Change your outlook. Change your outlook. To change your outlook, remember who is looking out for you. Who is looking out for you? God. God. Your outlook must change. Change it by remembering who is now looking out for, for you. You know, because when you look at Psalm 42, and you look at the psalmist there, that psalm is said to have been written by one of the sons of Korah. And you remember their story. You know, Korah led one of the worst rebellion against Moses and God. He led about 250 other leaders to rebel against Moses and God. So, so, so that's the heritage that this psalmist came from. 
So they were known for rebellion. But they remain. They are from the Levite family. And then when David became king, he appointed some of them to begin to lead the people in worship. And gradually, they came out of that heritage of rebellion into a heritage of responsibility. And you can see one of the sons of Korah right in this psalm. And you can see the transition that they have gone through. And you can see the profound impact that that transformation has made in their lives. That we have their writings today in the Bible. And we're reading and drawing encouragement from it. This psalmist may have battled with his past. May have battled with the challenges of his past. And may have wondered, how do I live beyond and above my past? I don't know whether it's a struggle of anyone in church this morning. Or anyone listening or joining us online. Wondering, you look back, you look at your heritage, you look at your family, and you think you carry a lot of baggage. And sometimes you wonder that that may be what is even limiting you and constraining you. And it's like a hurdle for you. Or it's like a huge weight. Just like the sons of Korah. The Lord will severe and cut off all those weights. And you begin to run and run for Christ. The Lord will move you from that heritage to a new heritage in Christ. In the name of Jesus. Tough times never last, but tough people do. And the Lord is here to help you. And I want you to be encouraged. I want you to draw encouragement from God. I want you to be encouraged. Our Lord Jesus Christ reassures us. In John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You may be in a challenging situation now. The situation may not change dramatically. But God is going to give you grace and power to walk through that situation. You know, as I was thinking through this, I just thought through the story of Peter. When our Lord Jesus Christ left them to go in the boat and he took time to pray. And they were on the sea. And then there arose this heavy storm. And they were so troubled. And our Lord Jesus, realizing it, then left and was coming to help them. They saw him coming. And men, when they saw him, they were shocked. Because they saw Jesus doing what? Walking on water towards them. And Peter you know, like who he is. I don't even know what gave him that idea. 
we saw Jesus walking on water and said, ah, Jesus, can I, can I also, you know, some people are bold, eh? I'm sure many, many of us here, even Jesus will hold their hands, will not get up. And of course, Jesus said, oh, by all means, please come. You know, I like Jesus because anytime you show small confidence in him, you know, I mean, he gives you huge opportunity. Huge opportunity. So Jesus said, oh, by all means, come. And Peter got up, climbed water. Ah, took one step. And then, you know, he walked. And mind you, it's not just about walking on water. You know, the storm did not stop. You know, the storm was still raging. You understand? So it's not about walking on still water. But you know, Jesus was walking in, in a stormy uh, condition. And Peter now came to, to, to join him. So the storm did not stop. Jesus did not calm the storm so that Peter can walk. Just as it is, the moment Peter said, ah, can I come? Come. The storm was still raging. And I'm sure the others will wonder, look, the problem we have is different, Peter. The one you want to do is this. But in any case, you know, he, he got on. And he was uh, okay. And then he now started doing environmental scanning. <laughs> You know, when you begin to overscan environment, you have problems. You know? Instead of looking to Jesus and just focusing on Jesus, instead of scanning environment, looking at other places, and then something started happening to him. You know, let's not overscan environment. We should focus on who? On Jesus. When you begin to overscan environment and overanalyze, and paralysis comes with it. Then you, you, you what happens? Eh? Yeah, Peter started thinking. Ah! The reality started thinking. But you know the beauty of it. You know, Jesus, you know, his outstretched hand is always there to rescue. You know, and and he just stretched his hands. And pulled Peter up. Great lesson to learn. That we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. For us to be encouraged, we must keep our eyes on who? On Jesus. On Jesus. On Jesus. But if you allow your mind to start going up and down and Every day you are looking at WhatsApp, Facebook, you are seeing different stories, you know. I had that experience lately when I was out of the country. You know, when you're out of the country, sometimes you read all kinds of things, including nonsense. So that's how I was reading. Yeah? Some will be saying that, ah, if you're on top of Bridge, your hand can touch the water. <laughs> then, you know, started reading some. In fact, one night I read one and I almost felt as if ah, like water will come and carry this whole lake. This, I said, so I said to myself, I said, ah, 
I said, hey, this is serious. If there is flood, what are we going to do? Where do we run to? I then looked at myself. I said, with all my people, where will I run to? Kaya said, but you see, that's how the devil starts. Pumping nonsense into you. At a stage, I said, and I didn't want to call anybody at home. But you know, it was so real, palpable. You can almost, and then it was building nonsense in me. As I said, I said, no, 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 no. If there is flood, Peter, where do you run to? Is it a bear? I said, how many people do I carry? If I carry my wife, look at all my church members. What will happen? I said, no, 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 no. This thing is prayer. I said, God, there will be no flood, though. No flood. No flood. No flood. Where do we go to? Nigeria, too, will stand. Things will work well. Where are we going to? How many people can jackpot? All these jackpot, jackpot, they are saying. How many people are jackpotting? How many people will other countries take for us? Our population is almost 200 million. Where are we going to? Where are we going to? We need to talk to ourselves. And then we talk, you know, the country is, you use your mouth to say all kinds of nonsense. If everything should even collapse, where would you go to? Even if you can salvage yourself and go, even if you go, you think you'll be very happy. When you think of the plight of the people here, when you, you know, so, so let us pray that the Lord will help us to turn things around. And the things that we need to do, let us do it. This country will be great. I have no doubt about it. And that's why we pray for mercy. You know, I thought through this. The reality is that, look, all this one that we say, oh, all the politicians come in, this one is not good, this one is not good. I sat back and I thought through it. Take every person. Take yourself. What kind of leader do you deserve? Are you a great follower? And when I look at many Nigerians, I say, what kind of leaders do we deserve? Are we great? And that's why we need to pray for mercy. Because mercy is about God not giving us what we deserve. So that God will give us what will help and deliver us. So and that's why we need to pray for mercy. But I have no doubts at all that the Lord will help us. So brethren, I want us to be encouraged. The Lord will help us. The Lord will come true for us. Trust in the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope will not be cut short. Our hope will not be cut short by the grace of God. Proverbs 23, 18 tells us, it says, there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Our hope will not be cut off. We have a future 
as God's children. And the Lord has placed us here. He didn't put you in Nigeria by accident. The U.S. was there, but he put you where? He didn't make mistake. Does God make mistake? He doesn't make mistake. So don't sit down and be regretting and saying, even self, why did they even, why did I, you know? If you ever said that before, go and confess so. And ask God to forgive you. Ask God to do what? Forgive you. Tell God that, Father, you have placed me here. You bless me here. I'll eat the good of this land. I will not beg bread. You know? And I'll give my children the best. You know, you provide for me. You perfect all that concerns me. Because you have placed me here. Your word says so. It reassures me. If you have sent your children to go and get education abroad, when you did it, if the dollar was um, 200 naira or 350 and now it's 800, the Lord will provide. Amen. You will pay their fees. Amen. They will fulfill the purpose of their going. Amen. They won't come back home halfway. Amen. And if they are here schooling and you're having problems paying, the Lord will make a way. Amen. Just hold on to the Lord. The Lord will help us. Amen. The Lord will help us. Our hope will not be cut off. Our hope will not be cut off. And the Lord will not forsake us. He would always be with us. You know, in, in, in Hebrews 13, 5, he reminds us, he says it himself, he says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's the Lord. Never, 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 never. Let us rise up and pray. I want you to begin to speak to God. I want you to just talk to God. I don't know what the Lord has ministered to you, but I want you to just talk to God. Are you here and you are feeling very discouraged? But you've heard God's message to you this morning. The Lord is saying to you, be encouraged. And I want you to draw that encouragement. I want you to begin to speak to God and reaffirm your trust in the Lord. Change your outlook because God is looking out for you. The Lord is here. He's here to encourage you. Do we have anyone here? You have not at any time given your life to Christ. You've not given your life to Christ. And you are living your life on your own. And you are here this morning. You have not come here by accident. The Lord has orchestrated your coming. So that you can have an encounter with him. That will change your life and change it permanently and for good. If you are here and you want to give your life to Christ. I just want you to signify by raising up your hand. Raise up your hand. And God bless you. And our pastors will pick you up. Raise up your hand. I know there are many more. In Penel Hall downstairs, I want our ministers who are there to watch out. I want our ministers to take them and begin to minister to them. You want to give your life to Christ. 
you want Christ to make a difference in your life, this is your chance. I want the ministers to please take them one by one and now take them and begin to minister to them. Don't give them papers to fill. Talk to them. I want the ministers to go talk to them. You are here. You've never given your life to Christ. This is your chance to make a decision for Christ. Jesus is here right now. He wants to make a difference. He wants to make a difference. I have the urge to pray for just a few people. You feel very discouraged and you are wondering. You feel low. You feel depressed. The Lord is here right now to deliver you. If you are anyone like that in this hall, please just step forward quickly. I'm going to pray with you. You have a challenging situation. Just come quickly. Just come quickly and I'm going to pray with you. Just step forward. Come before the Lord and ask the Lord to help you. Begin to talk to God. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here right now. He is here to meet your needs and set the captives free. Oh, Jesus is here right now.